From the side podcast, are delighted to announce that our main podcast sponsor is Fields Joinery. If you are watching on YouTube, all of their social and website links are on the screen now. However, if you are an audio-only listener of the podcast, do head over to fieldspropertygroup.co.uk. That's fieldspropertygroup.co.uk. And do not hesitate to get in touch and find all of their information on the website there. We'd like to thank Fields Joinery for sponsoring the podcast from day one. It really goes a long way, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, and welcome into to the From the Side podcast episode number two. It's me, Matty, and Jay, as always. And as always, Jay, I'll let you introduce our guest. Uh, yeah, so the, the guest for episode number two is AFC Liverpool's assistant manager, recently appointed, Jack Edwards. Nice one for coming on, Jack. Thanks for having me, lads. Appreciate it. I might as well jump right in then. Um, first thing I'd want to know is, when did you decide that you wanted to jump into coaching? Because obviously I've known you for a couple of years now, haven't I? And I've only ever known you as coaching. Yeah, to be honest, I got into coaching when I was 14, which is obviously quite young. Um, I, I knew pretty much around about that time that I wasn't going to make it as a professional footballer, but I wanted to stay involved <clears throat> in coaching. It's one of them. It's like, I was very honest with myself. You know, I've always known I was a decent player, but to make it a that type of level is just obscene, isn't it? It's, it's very, very hard to do so. And, uh, you know, you know yourself and everyone who knows me knows how much I love football. So it was the kind of thing of, if I can get involved in coaching as early as I can, give myself the best platform to when I'm in, like now in my 20s, to be at a good level, um, which I'm obviously finding myself at now. So I got involved um, with Marshalls, my little cousin, was seven at the time. Um, and his mum and dad went, why don't you just come down and ask the coach if you can just help him out just at a training and stuff like that just get your foot in the door um, so I just went down just like I say just helping out even just putting some cones out and just being in around it and stuff like that and then as time went on he kind of just let me get involved more and more take a little bit of training and then on a Saturday it comes to times you go do you want to like take the team today like I'll pick the team stuff like that but you know you can be on the sideline given a little bit more and I was only like 16 at the time doing things like that so it was it was nice to do that and then it's just kind of gradually uh, gone on from there so it was nice to um, drop him a text of the week Tom his name is Tom Nelson um, he's living out in Dubai now so when I got the role at AFC he was one of the first people at text to say it all started 11 years ago it was in a dingle on the Astro there just helping out with the under sevens and then obviously it's, it's kind of gone on from there Did you know then so like when you're doing that and you're stuck in the dingle on, on like mm. throwing all that like the pissing down rain did you know that yeah. that'd be where you'd look and you'd think yeah go ahead I want to do that, that, that that's me yeah 100% it's 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 anything to do with football um, and it would and I'd, I'd have given 120% every single every single time if, if I would have went into let's say um, like analysis or like sports medicine or anything like that I think I would have had the same passion for it there but with coaching it wasn't like too far away from playing because you're involved in everything and being able to like pass on your knowledge to the younger players at that time and then as you're gradually going on to working with senior players who are older than you but you're getting that respect of them because they kind of know what you're talking about and you know you gain that respect through training sessions and then you know when they're seeing the extra work that you put in with like the tactical side and and the analyst side as well so even when I was younger it was like can I get on my badges as quick as I can and you know, luckily at Marshalls, they were quite supportive of me and they put me on my level one when I was 16. And then, did we do our level two together at the, at the Liverpool Foundation College? Yeah. So I, I think there was a couple of us on it, wasn't it? No, I didn't do the two with you. I'd done your level one, I think, with yeah. you. I, don't, I, I can't remember that, but I remember the, the level two. There was a couple of us from the college on it and we were only like 18 at the time, at the time then. But, at that time, when, when you were doing the coaching badges, I I didn't enjoy doing them because it was like, it was a set way of doing it. It was like, stop, stand still. You've got to coach this. It's like, you've got to do drive-bys. You've got to do this. It's like, it was like, stop. It was like, oh, I forget what they used to say. It was like, it, and then it was like, you'd have to walk through it. Then you try it out. Then you play it live. And it's like, well, why are you, why are you trying to make everyone coach the same way? Like, you're just going to have managers and coaches in the future who do the exact same things. So then, like, did me level two with them. And when I eventually got on the B licence, I didn't even know that I'd got a place because 
the email address that I had linked to the FA was like an old, it was actually the one that you first got when we went to college. Like it was like my surname at solidcollege.co.uk. So it was about six years old. So that email, it was like just like a, a backup one. So I remember getting a phone call off Wayne Ward and he said, um, you haven't accepted your place on the B license. So I went, what do you mean? He went, it got offered like weeks and weeks and weeks ago. You've got till tomorrow to accept it. He said, check your emails. I was like, what's the email address gone? So he told me, I went to my old one. So I went on, I just logged in. I just remember the password logged in. It was like the first thing, gave a B license. And then as soon as I got on on that and accepted it, and on the first day we were there and um, Jack Walton came up to me 20 minutes in because the, the first task was write out your last session that you've done with your team. So he's written out. Everyone had to like just show what they'd done just like on a, on a little piece of paper. And he went, I want you to go deliver that in 20 minutes. And I was thinking, fuck now, like, um, I'm only 20 at the time and everyone else is, you know, a little bit older and stuff like that. So it, was, it wasn't daunting, but it was like kind of like, if this doesn't go well, everyone kind of gets that impression that, ah, maybe he's not not ready to coach at that level and stuff. Um, but went out, Mike Duff did really well and a few of the coaches, the FA coaches came up afterwards and was like, that was, that was really, really good. So kind of from that day, I kind of knew that that level and beyond I was I was more than good enough at. I was I I'd always wondered what was it like once you get to like the way for badges and once you get into senior football and stuff like that, you know, will it be any difference? Will I look out of place? Because, you know, I haven't come from like a playing background at that much at senior level. Um but as soon as I've like got any experience of it, it's just felt natural to me kind of everywhere I've gone and, and everything that I've done at the moment. With your coaching track as well, I've seen no, you do some. Um, I've seen you do quite a few videos now on YouTube, tactical analysis. What? Yeah. Are, are they important to you as well? Because then you can sort of showcase your work to new people before even going in to show them what you can actually do. Yeah, it's it's like the reason I started doing the YouTube was just to get exposure for myself. Because when you you know when I started YouTube, it was like two and a half years ago now. It's like 22, 23 at the time, and it's like. I was I'm coaching at a good level, but every time I'd be applying for interviews for roles and higher above, it's like, you know, experience this and stuff like that. We want someone experienced at this level and, you know, I'd have interviews and I'd get knocked back due to my age and experience. So I'm like, well, I need to try and get myself out there more so people can actually see what I'm doing and not just hearing it in interviews and seeing it on CVs and stuff like that. So, you know, from that, I've gained a couple of different, like, extra positions on, on the side, like coaching different teams and, Obviously, when I go into clubs like like AFC now, some of the players have gone, I've seen your, your stuff on YouTube, like it's really good. So it's just kind of building that impression of yourself before people see. And it's like, because I haven't got that background, what other people might have building it on a social platform, which obviously nowadays is, is massive, especially with, with football and non-league football as well. It just kind of gives me like that extra little um, exposure, which is which for me, over those past two years or so has, has helped. It's kind of built my network with players as well and also with coaches around the country and then with different clubs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say it's it's something that I didn't expect to go down. I'll, I'll be honest, when I first started it, my mate who, who does all the videography and stuff, I was a bit like, I don't think YouTube's for me. I'm not that type of person who likes to like talk into the camera all the time. Um, and I think the first one that we've recorded took four hours to do for a 20-minute video. And like nowadays, we'd be in and out in half an hour. Just and that would include like the setup time, and then it'd be one take. Don't don't have to like have everything what I'm doing written down and just like oh wait, am I meant to say something there? It just it's just more roll off the tongue and a bit more confident now. Um, so yeah, I, I I'll, I'll be honest, I've enjoyed it, and it's kind of led to like building the website and obviously the social media presence with like the one to one sessions and stuff like that. So it's kind of one of them when it started off with didn't expect to do it, but now it's like it's kind of it's propelled me to kind of like another level in terms of like getting like a bigger and broader audience really. What I wanted to ask then was um, <clears throat> obviously you were doing, you've been doing the YouTube stuff for ages. I remember you done a bit of a podcast with your mate. Um, yeah. Where you were talking about like similar stuff to what we talk about but um, and then like obviously Liverpool and all that. I remember listening to one of them where we were, you were talking about coaching and you were saying mm. um it's a nightmare for you to get on the A license. Yeah. You know, when you look at um, coaching courses and that now, so you're obviously the level two and the B license. I've mm-hmm. obviously done the level two and the B license the same as you, but my experience of them is the same as you. The two structured, the two, 
you've got to do it this way, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. Mm. Whereas you'll know yourself on a Saturday or on a Friday night, you're getting texts off lads. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm still out me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't teach you how to deal with all that. They don't teach you how to deal with getting abuse, loads of abuse from, from on sidelines and all that. You just, it's, it's not realistic enough for me. But listening to your to the podcast when you were talking about the A license, is it still are you still finding that now? Are you still find that it that difficult to get onto courses and stuff? Yeah, I um, where did I? So last year I had a I had a meeting with uh, Neil Sang. Uh, obviously, I do sessions with with Tom and Chris, his lads. Um, I just wanted to just kind of get a bit of advice from him in terms of like how can I get higher up the leagues? How can I enhance myself on the courses? We just kind of like went through my CV, my cover letter. There was a couple of jobs open at the time, and um, he was like, "You know, you're applying for your A license." I was like. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm applying for it as much as I can. Like Welsh FA, Scottish FA, Irish FA, English FA. Like I don't care about if I have to pay extra money to do it. Like you know, it's it's professional development. I'll do it, and if it takes me to the next level, I'll do it. But every time I apply, it's you always get the knockback, and I always anticipate the knockback. Even though I'll have two recommendations from FA tutors, I'll have a recommendation from Morecambe's head of uh, head of coaching, who's now the assistant manager, and then I'll have. Um, a rec- letter of recommendation from chairman uh, at Marshalls, um, obviously at the time. And then Neil even emailed Northern Ireland, uh, a woman from the Northern Ireland, you know, an Irish FA, and spoke to somebody else from the Welsh FA, and we were trying to find different routes to go down. So I had her own email and was like sending me applications where I still didn't get on it. So it's kind of like, it's, it's one of them where I'm like, I'll, I want to do the A licence because I feel like, if I'm 25, 26 and I've got an A licence, people look around and go, well, there's not many of them. And when I've done the B licence at 20, 21, not many people had that. But it's been four years now in between. I've done my last coaching badge, whereas I got told at the end of it, try and get on your A licence in the next 18 months. Well, I've tried. But if I'm not getting the opportunities, because the way I see it is, if you're not in an academy and your name isn't, haven't been a professional, you're literally you've got near nothing, no chance getting on it. I think they should have a course for professionals who've just come out the game and are in the academy. And then they should have an A-licence course separate for people in non-league and develop and young coaches, kind of like ourselves, where it's like, you've got to give equal opportunities because let's just let's just say, for instance, the lads like Michael Antonio, the players like Jamie Vardy, Elliot Nevitz, these lads are coming through non-league football nowadays. The exposure's there the players you've got to have a similar thing for coaches you can't just hope that these lads will just go and find a job at Liverpool or Everton I, I don't want to be involved in an under 10s team I, I don't feel like I developed myself as a coach working as an under 12s coach um, in an academy I've learned so much more about myself as a coach and as a manager coaching senior players the difficulties of that having to change your team on a Friday night you've got a plan on a Monday of wanting to play your system wanting to do this and that and then on a, on a Wednesday night a lad comes and goes oh, it's me missus's uh, sister's wedding on Saturday I can't be there and then another lad on Friday my dog's just got sick I can't play tomorrow and you're going right it's got to chop and change again but that's what makes good coaches the ability to adapt um, but I feel like the FA aren't interested in looking that far down the pyramid enough when in reality they should be because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of quality down there now with both players and coaches but I just feel like it gets overlooked too much which is it's just sad really because like I say there's there's lads like ourselves who you give everything to football and like you earn a lot less money because you're working in non-league which you know obviously it's, <laughs> it's not the glitz and glamour of the Premier League and you're doing other, other stuff on the side just to make sure that you can stay involved in football so there's got to come to a point where they go right there's people there who we want to develop through to become a coach at this at this level, but they're just taking a different route. So why can't we support those coaches? You know, obviously you ended up at the Marshalls first team as well, Jack. What was your journey like to that? Um, so in the end, obviously after leaving until until I left a few weeks, I was there for eleven years in total. Um, so I went from I did starts with those under sevens, and then when it got to under tens, one of the kids who was playing his dad said the under fourteens need a coach on a Sunday and I spoke to Tommy who was the manager and I said what, what do you think he went go for it he said it's a test you know you won't find out about yourself unless you go and coach someone at that, at that level and you know the, the, the age gap was different then so I was only 16 they were under 14s and 
Um, I enjoyed it. Did really well with them. Um, took them for a couple of years. And then once they finished, so I had them for two seasons. So once they were starting under 16s, that's when I went out to play to the States. But then I ended up coming home. So I got offered to do the under 18s like the, the following season there. So I only really missed like a, a year with them. And then I had them for the, for the year when I had my B license um, at under 18s. And then they were still, they were basically only under 17s though. It was like their first year of it. And then I got approached with the club. It was because what was happening is the first team manager was getting moved on and the reserve team manager was going to go be the first team manager as as, lo- as well as um, Steve Grace as well, who's obviously heavily involved with the club, one of the founders. So there was no one to do the reserves. So they said, right, let's put the under-18s as the reserves. But then all the reserve team players, because all the first team players left, went up. So I had to just kind of try and integrate the under-18s with, with, with bringing, obviously, a load of new players in, which at the start was a bit difficult because it was kind of like we wanted to play a certain way, but we didn't right quite have that calibre of player to do it but we still persisted with it because it was what we wanted to do and it, we, we bring the right players in gradually and you know we'd narrowly lose I think the first six games it was 2-1 3-2 2-1 2-0 4-3 one. so it was kind of like if we cut out little bits and bits and bobs sloppy wise we'd be okay then the turning point came we won, a, we won about four or five games on the stretch did okay in the league and we ended up winning uh, the Liverpool Junior Cup we got a, a good settled side and uh, we did really well. That was obviously my first season in senior management with the reserves. We won that, which was which was brilliant. But that side was better than the first team. So, you know, the first team wanted them to go up. But some of the lads were like, I don't want to because they were struggling. I was trying to say, listen, I know where you're coming from. And it was like, if I have to play for the first team, I'd rather not play. And if they're not playing, it's, there's no point in being involved. We want them to play football. So I was like, I can't tell you not to play for the for the first team, but you need to communicate that to the club. Um, so the first team ended up staying up just um, because paid Celtic, who came up, had to go back into Liverpool County Prem because it was like the Step 7 thing where they'd already played Step 7 in the County Prem. So we stayed up by that, but then the following season, same thing happened. The, the club was struggling, the first team. Um, it was just it was just kind of down, down to this. the quality of play just wasn't really there for, for, the, for, that, for that standard. So we ended up having a few meetings. Um, the under-21s coach was kind of pushing for me to be the manager. And he was saying, listen, he's going to bring these lads through from the reserves who are really good players. You know, let them do it, stuff like that. Eventually, we got got the chance to do it. And then um, I remember the first game. It's probably probably one of the favorite, one of my favourite games in charge because we went away to um, Redgate, who are no longer in the league now. Um, and it was... We were three one down with twenty five minutes to go, and we played quite well, but a bit naive at the back, and we ended up winning four three. And I don't think I've ever seen three goals to win the game like screamers outside the box, and it just kind of set the tone for us. Whereas if we'd have lost that first game, it would have been like, well, it's no different to what's been going on in the past. But we won four three, and then we went away to Newton, who'd won the league the year before, and we beat them away three two. Then like we won six nil at home, then we won away again. And then we drew and then we won. So first six games, won five, drew one going into Christmas. So it kind of put us in good stead. And then COVID hit after Christmas and kind of it went, it went on points per game. So like by the time I took over the first, it had gone on. They'd had nine games, like lost seven, drew one, won one. And then we came in and did quite well because of points per game. We ended up finished eighth and ninth, which didn't really reflect well on us. Um, and then obviously again, COVID it the season after that um, but the journey to, to the first team was it was one of them it was kind of, everything just fell into place one by one it was always like a year or two doing a, a certain squad um, and then once I got the first team role I was kind of just like we want a challenge at the top we want to challenge the South Liverpools the Mosleyels the Newtons um, week in week out um, and it was one of them where it was like we always just struggled a little bit of consistency in the league uh, with players there um, whereas like the Souths and the Mosleys would have the same lads there every week so you know the season where we ended up getting to the, to the cup final after we beat South in the semis we just couldn't find consistency with players in the league but after after Covid it was almost like everyone wanted to play because they'd had three months locked in locked in from January to April so we had that was kind of like the best one we'd had post Covid in the league we won like six out of the last seven 
and we obviously we won one won our four cup games leading into the final as well. Um, but yeah, I can't really like I don't have a bad word to say about Marshalls because <clears throat> it gave me everything that I've got up until this point in coaching. You know, funded only only badges, and I don't think many clubs would give someone at the age of twenty a senior role on his own. Not they want you as an assistant, or you've got to have someone in to do it with you. It was kind of like we think you're good enough. Show show us what you've got. You know, they put a lot of faith in me, um, and I think for them it, it it paid off really with with the players that we got in, and obviously winning a trophy and getting to a couple of cup finals, and going from a team who was at the bottom of the league to a team that's you know always in that top half and trying to challenge a little bit further up the table nowadays. I remember coming to watch um, the cup final against Mossley Hill. Was that Asheville, wasn't it? Oh, don't talk to me about that. You just that pitch. <laughs> nah, do you know what my me, me memory of that game? I remember watching you on the side and thinking, fuck me, you must lose some weight on the side then. Because you just don't stop. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing that come away. To, well, I remember the scoreline, but I won't, I won't tell anyone. But yeah. that's the overriding thing about you there is thinking he doesn't stop him. You were just up and down the line the whole game. Yeah, that was just out of annoyance. That to be fair, because so, we <laughs> we spoke we spoke we spoke before the game because obviously we got there and the pitch was oh it was like the Sahara Desert how dry it was and he hadn't he hadn't cut the pitch so it was long and obviously we know we know I mostly like to play they want obviously play long play off the seconds that's their that's their style of play that's that's fine but obviously they know how we are like to play we want to play up from the back we want to play we want to play nice attacking football uh, keep the ball as much as we can so my message to the players was. Don't play through them, play round them. Don't play into midfielders' feet because it's going to hold up and we're going to lose the ball. Play out wide and let's try and find our attacking players. At the time, we had Matty Gavosti, who's obviously he's at Bolton now, and we had Tony Donaldson, you know Tony, what a player. Um, we had P.O. and Schulte and players like that. And we had the, we had, we had the attacking options to go win the game. And, and then the other thing was stop crosses into the box. Stop any crosses the into the box. Who was the big ginger centre-half? Lango, yeah, let's not. Oh, let's sense off. I still have nightmares about that now. <laughs> yeah, we still have nightmares about it now. And the, the, literally, the message was play wide and stop crosses into the box. Two minutes into the game, cross comes into the box, goal, 1 0, mostly. And then that was it. That was the only goal of the game. Um, I, to be honest, it was one of them. Uh, that game, we started off terrible. And I remember screaming on the sideline saying, it's not a friendly. And it, what do you mean? So we're playing like it's a friendly. The intensity is crap. No, we're not doing anything. And then we woke up. We had a couple of chances. And as we were getting a foothold in the game, because I remember thinking when we played Aston Town in the Junior Cup final, we started slow, went 1-0 down. But as the half went on, we did well. Then we changed shape for half-time and we were the better team. We won on pens. And it kind of felt like that game again. It was kind of like we just didn't get going. And as we started to get going in the game, the sending off happened. So we've gone from, OK, starting slow, got up there, and then the centre half brought it brought us back down to the end sending off. So in half time, it was just like right, first ten minutes we can't concede, so we're going to just going to go four four one and just be compact. And then after that first ten minutes, we'll go three five one, get get wing backs out there and try and obviously go for it, um, which we did. Um, we had one or two chances, chance cleared off the line, but with ten men, you obviously you can only do so much. You know, we had. Um, Smigger, who plays right back, went right centre half. He was he was struggling with the hamstring, and then Davo in the warm up. Joe Davies, as we're doing lunges in the warm up, his hamstring went. No word of a lie, his hamstring goes in the warm up. So, so we're in the changes before the game, and I got a physio in for the final. He paid for the physio, and he was running late. So I'm thinking, oh, this is just mind blowing. What's going on? So he popped like four painkillers, just popped them in his mouth, swallowed them. And we had um, like a bandage because it was hamstring. It was like right up the top by his ass. So I'm bandaging. I'm basically bandaging his ass to make sure to see if he could play. And it just kept sliding down his leg. So it was like, you're just going to have to try and play. And I don't know how on earth he played 90 minutes, but he played 90 minutes. And then he didn't play for about eight weeks. Obviously, that was last game of the season, but he couldn't play in pre-season. Um, that, was, that was one final to forget. But obviously, um, the semi-final, which led to that was... I still think that's probably the best game of football I've been involved in the senior level when we beat South Liverpool 6-3. It was, everything just went to plan and um, they haven't been beat for two years and they just got promoted back into the North West County. So there was about 2-250 two there watching Heron and 
I think they were fully expecting to to win the game, which 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 obviously you would. Everyone there was expecting them to win, and they went one 0 up after ten minutes, and then it was an absolute masterclass uh, from the lads on the day. And um, I think Matty Cavosti's performance on that day got him his move to to Warrington Town as well, four goals, and he hasn't walked back since then. Obviously, you've just went to AFC Liverpool. Was that leaving with a with a heavy heart? Then with with Marshalls because you've been there for so long. And what made you make the decision to step to AFC Liverpool? Yeah, it was it was it was a tough decision to leave just just because obviously everything that the club have done for me. But in terms of like a, a pure footballing decision, it was it was a no brainer going going to leagues above. Um, obviously. You know, in the past, I've had one or two offers as an assistant in just the league, one league above in the counties, uh, north or south, and I just never got the right feeling about them. I didn't feel like I had the the right role, and I didn't feel like I had the right responsibilities. But once I spoke to Potter, um, it felt like the right right time. The club was in a good place, and you know, he approached me. That good recommendations from a few people, so it, it kind of felt like I was wanted as well, and it just felt like the right time. It, I felt like I'd kind of done all that I could at Marshalls. Um, we'd had to rebuild once or twice with lads getting moves up. And it was time to be selfish, really. Um, I know my goal is to go as high as I can. So, you know, stepping into the North West Counties Prem with a club like AFC Liverpool is has proved already to be the right decision. You know, five games in, um, we've won four, drew one. And, you know, the lads are brilliant. Uh, manager's been fantastic with me. The whole club has as well, you know. It's a very tight-knit group. Obviously, there's myself, uh, Matt, the manager. Then you've got Kay, the physio, um, and Dave, the goalie coach. And then, obviously, everyone in and around the club. It's a tight-knit group, and the players are good lads. And you know, they talk to everything that like we're doing in training. And, obviously, the little bit of information on the sideline. And um, Yeah, it was it was a no-brainer. But, like I said in a message when I left it, you know, I won't forget where it all started for me because everyone starts somewhere. Um, and I'd hope to one day to have a little bit of involvement. Uh, with the club where they started again hopefully you can go back and be involved when I'm close to retirement age <laughs> GLJ <laughs> I know I'm, I've still got that cough it's doing me I didn't um, when you went into AFC Jack um, yeah. you know you're busy, a busy man with the one-to-ones and that um, mm-hmm. you also do the uni as well how'd you find time to do it all Um. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it's it's one of them like the one to ones. I fit them round my schedule, so I have training on a Monday with the uni, and then Tuesday I can do more sessions because I don't have any training on a Tuesday. But then obviously could have a midweek game with AFC on a Wednesday. I have a match with the uni. Now obviously we got promoted last season, so. The league we're in now has got Newcastle, Northumbria, two Leeds teams, Manchester. <clears throat> so we've got Leeds on Leeds on Wednesday, and then we've got like Newcastle in a couple of weeks. So there's a, there's a bit of travelling in there, and then AFC training on a Wednesday, which Matt's been you know kind of generous enough to push it back to eight o'clock to make sure that I can be there. Apart from maybe when I'm in Newcastle and Northumbria, I don't think I'll be able to get able to get back from that unless I'm in you know, time travelling. Um, then Thursday, um, I do training with Billings with their first team which was last year the team who's involved with Billings now was St. Helens under 18s and I got approached by the by the manager to come and take the training um, just once a week he just wanted to work on little different uh, elements of the game what he wanted to improve on and um, they did really well he won the county cup he finished he was third in the league with under 18s and he got the Billings role and you know it's a young group of lads I, I really enjoy doing it I, I actually pulled them to the side at the end of training two weeks ago and said listen I, I love doing this session because you're engaged. You know, we're doing like defensive shape and pressing and playing out from the back. And, you know, <clears throat> a lot of lads could just go, uh, just take the information in and not use it, but they're engaged. And when we do when we do everything, they're asking questions and you can see that they're, they're actively wanting to learn. And that's, I enjoy doing that. That's on a Thursday. And then Friday, training with the uni. Um, Saturday, a game with AFC. And then I just kind of, filter the sessions and the website work and all of, all of the little bits analysing games in and around it so it, listen it's 24-7 football I can't really complain if I'm, if I'm being honest you know it's if I wasn't involved in football I'd be complaining that I'm not involved so you know it's, I don't wake up in the morning and go 
oh, I've got a busy day of this, that. I'm going, yes. Got loads of stuff to do. It's football related, so I'm not um, ever moaning. So, it, obviously, it's a little bit less personal time sometimes, but it's not like the, the time that's getting taken up is time that I'm not enjoying. It's, it's stuff that I love, so I wouldn't change it, really. <clears throat> With your <clears throat> one-to-ones as well, obviously, I know a few players who you do coach. Do you feel like yeah. you get more out of that watching watching players develop from a younger age than you do coaching a, a, a first team or is it completely different? Uh, to be honest, it's hard because I don't I don't use I don't really do one to ones with with like younger age groups. I usually do like teenage and above. Um, just because with me hours being limited and obviously working in senior football, I don't want to have to just so it's mainly of an evening. If I've only got two evenings a week that I can do I want to be able to work with the lads that like I want to work with in the future, and the lads who like I'm I'm involved with more of the senior lads. I feel like I can test them more with the sessions, and I can be more expressive with the drills that I do. Now, I don't get me wrong; I've worked with, with with younger kids for years, and I've enjoyed it and stuff like that. But I've kind of just got past that point. Uh, but with the one to ones, it's good to see even you know there's lads who come in who are semi pro professionals and. You know, you need to work on a little bit of their game, like some strikers, weak foot, first touch, you know, heading, some midfielders, how they receive the ball, defenders, you know, how they how they attack the ball, the body shape, things like that. So, you know, even though these lads play at a good level, they're coming in for a reason to obviously just enhance the game, sharpen it, they fit, keep everything up, you know, up there, they had a high level, but at the same time it's you know, I wanna work on you know my footwork, I wanna work on little bits and bobs like that, which and then that's my job to then go, Okay, what can I do to help him with work on, let's say, his left foot finishing. Let's have a look at his technique. Is he trying to just smack it from five yards out when he can just look to place it in the corner? So little bits like that. And obviously that's working with, with lads who, you know, are playing on a Saturday and, you know, at a high levels conference just below that. And even in the summer, I have the lads in who are, who are professionals playing League One, League Two. Um, and then obviously you have lads who are at the other, other end of the spectrum where they're playing amateur or they might be like under 18s or the 21s and they're aspiring. So, you know, they're, they're trying to soak up as much as they can. And then there's other lads who just do it because, you know, they might only train once a week and they want to get more individual um, training in because the, the, way, the way I say it with them is that is like you can't replicate a game. Um, you can't replicate that even when, let's say, you're going out and doing fitness drills and when you're doing one-to-ones, you can't replicate it, but you can get as close as you can. Now, the thing with, with the one-to-ones, what I say with me, with me is that every player who turns up, is, it's going to be intense. And when you first turn up, you might struggle with like your recovery and like you think, oh my god, I'm knackered here. Like, what's going on? Is there something wrong with me? I'm like, no, it's 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 at a match speed. You're doing things quick for 30, 40 seconds. So after I I always say those first, if we're doing like three rounds of finishing with six shots, that first round, you're fresh. So you're gonna find the corners easily. I, I wanna see when you get to that fourth and fifth and sixth finish, are you just snatching up the ball? Are you tired getting to it? Is you breathing all over the place? Are you you're hunched over? Are you slow getting back in? So at the start, lads might be like that because they're not used to doing that intensity training. And then after a few weeks, they go, wow, you realise the difference of doing that. And then you take that into a game. I say, what are you going to do in the 70th minute when a ball gets played in behind? And you're knackered. Are you just going to try and get to it or are you going to give everything you got to it? That's where like that little bit of individual training, I think, helps players in trying in, 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 like enhance different areas of the game in terms of like the mental side, the physical side, and obviously... Uh, the technical technical side as well. So it's a different, like you say, different scope of coaching because it is focused on that one individual and you're trying to just find little areas where you can fine-tune the game and just try and sharpen it to the next level. Is it important for you as well? Because obviously you coach <clears throat> outfield players, you coach goalkeepers like little Ewan and stuff. Is it important yeah. to, to know every aspect of the pitch rather than just being like an outfield coach or a goalkeeping coach? Is it important for you to develop your career to be able to coach every position on the pitch? Of, co- of course, it's it, the thing with like the goalkeeping is like I, I say to you and all the time I say I'm not a goalkeeper coach, but I know exactly where you should be when the ball's in these areas and how you should be, what what you should be doing in terms of what parts of the body you should be saving when the ball's here and there and your body shape as well. So worked a lot with with you and another keepers in terms of like on the footwork and making sure you know they're not upright when the ball's coming into them in terms of the body shape stuff like that. And then defenders again, it's then working on right. What do we need to focus on them more? When they make, when they're clearing the ball, when they go and attack it, the body shape when they're moving backwards, being able to change direction, and then find the longer passes. So the first touch and then midfielders, like I said before, it's different how they're going to receive the ball. 
so it's 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 one of them. It's just understanding the different players that you get in, like you say, and understanding different areas um, of the pitch um, in terms of what they they need to work on and what I kind of just think of like what is the basics for for each player. So a midfielder is obviously how they receive the ball, and then their movements off the ball. Are they checking the shoulder before they're receiving the ball? Are they touching it with the right foot? Are they looking at where they're going to play the pass? What's their contact like when they play play um, play through? What are they like with the weak foot? Then strikers, it's obviously their movements. You know, can they come in and then drop off and vice versa? How can he protect the ball? Are they comfortable using both feet? Little things like that, adapting the movements. We do like a lot of crossing stuff where it's like, I like doing a job. I have like a box, a small box, and it'll be like, as if like the cross is going to come in, so you've got to make a first movement, and then the cross doesn't come in, so you're not just going to stand still in the box. You've got to readjust, so get round another pole as quick as you can, and then get ready to attack it again. So little things like that, and then I like to do stuff with the keepers where a lot of do like like a lot of one-on-one stuff, but it's like you don't know if I'm going to shoot or if I'm going to dribble in. So it's like being set for all different occasions, which I think is match specific because as a goalkeeper you don't know what's going to happen. A player might shoot from twenty yards. And then the next minute it's rebounded and you've got to get up. And, you know, Ewan's dad, John, will tell you, I get him involved sometimes and he's throwing balls into me and I'm adding adding balls into Ewan from six yards out and I'm going and receiving a ball and dribbling in for him to come come out and claim and stuff like that. So, like you say, just understanding those different areas of the pitch. But I feel like sometimes I see coaches on Instagram and Twitter and it's kind of, they just do too much unrealistic stuff, which isn't important. Like, get the players mastering the basics in their position and then if they want to work on other things do it I'm all for players being skillful and ball mastery and this and that but when when is the player in a game going to do six V turns like when's he going to do that six times on a run let him play into him let him do a turn and then let him play back to you and do a different movement I feel like sometimes it's just like that's quite simple let's just master little basics whereas try and test your player to to go into out of their comfort area so that then you've got an area for them to coach with. If you give them like similar same things to do all the time, and they're good at it, and they're good at it, it's like what are they gonna what are they gonna get from it? In the end, of it, it's kind of too easy for them. I, I think like testing. So I like to do drills where it's like testing ball control. So it'll be like we do short yard passes, and then I'll chuck a ball over the shoulder, go and retrieve it. Don't let it touch the floor. Turn, play into me, get yourself back in because in a game things like that can happen. So it's just trying to obviously work on all those different aspects and not just focus on. Yeah, get stuff which looks good for the camera all the time. You know, that's not how football works. You know, you'd have good and bad moments in, in, in everything really. There's obviously that like area of of one to one coaching, I think is absolutely it's shocker at the minute, isn't it? When you look and, oh, yeah. and, and like you go on Instagram, there's there's so many people doing it. What you've just said there, it's all I, I, I really agree with to be fair, it's always got to be about the player and there's a lot of ones on there where it's the cameras pointed at the coach all the time and the coach is giving mm-hmm. all mad speeches and you've got to do this and you know you're affecting me if you don't do this and blah 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 and it's like if I'm a footy player my I'm, I'm off I'm switched right off when you're telling me all sorts do you know what I mean it's yeah. just like dead basic thing get your basic info in and stuff like that that's mm-hmm. the, what, the way I'd look at it but what do you think this is your selling point now right so what separates you from that big market on Instagram, do you reckon? I think for me, I think it, the prices tell you everything because I don't do the one-to-one coaching just to charge people a load of money just because I'm a good coach. I do it to help players and try to improve them. I reckon, I don't think there's anyone who's at the same price range as myself who's anywhere near the standard of myself now I actually remember when sorry to interrupt you I actually remember when you you put the prices up and Mm. like you could tell when you put the post out that you were gutted you had to put the prices up yeah do you know what I mean I actually remember that it's one of them where I'm just like I want to make sure that everyone can afford to come to sessions now I could have a player who's exceptional like a brilliant player come to do sessions that doesn't mean he's got 60 quid in his back pocket to do a session every week if I'm charging 60 quid I don't want to sit, I don't want him to, to see him every four weeks because that's not improving his game I'd rather him say right I can book a block of sessions six sessions for 100 quid or I can do 
three sessions for 50 quid and I'm in every other week or I'm in twice a week and you're improving this game. I don't care like if a lad's playing League One or League Two or if he's playing Northern Prem. Prices are the same and I, I want to see people there once a week, twice a week, every two weeks saying, yeah, get me a book in, stuff like that. Because for me, this is where people say, oh, you've got to put your price on. Like, I'm not, I'm not in football just for money. I'm in it because it's my passion. I like, love it a bit. I, if someone said to me tomorrow, would you do the one-to-ones for free and, I, and like you got paid for something else? I'd be like, yeah, I'd still love, I love doing them. It's, it's being outdoors and being able to help players and being able to you know, pass on information to these players is for me. It's what's the way I'm looking for? It's it's invaluable. It's invaluable, really. Like I love it. And you know, when when I started it two years ago, when I charged people a tenner, I charged people ten pounds to do a session. And then I went to fifteen, and then obviously I've gone to twenty. And before I went to twenty, I was messaging people who were in on a weekly basis, and I was saying, you know, are you all right with the sessions going up to twenty quid? You know, block bookings are going to go from this to that. And he was like, and everyone, I didn't get anyone saying no. Everyone was like, yeah, that's fine. He was like, you know, I do it on a grass pitch most of the time. I haven't had much luck with the 4Gs and that's one of the other reasons why, you know, I won't go on the 4G because I'm not paying £40 an hour for a session and then I'd have to charge people 60 It's not on. These these hubs are meant to be for grassroots. Grassroots isn't £40 an hour for just using a pitch of a daytime, isn't locking up 11 aside goals so kids can't kick the ball from a penalty spot, you know, get a grip. And a pitch is, what, £200 an hour to use on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, them, them hubs, mate. It's, it's an joke. I, I remember when I, I went to go on the on the hubs and um, they were trying to charge me 40 quid. <laughs> I was like, I'll go back to grass tomorrow. Like, I don't care. And if someone doesn't want to do a session on grass because it's grass and they want to do it on 3G, then again the player needs to have a look at themselves because when you get into these months now, October, November, December, January, February, you're playing on grass pitches on a Saturday and it's going to cut up. What are you going to do? Just train on 3G all your life and then go to a grass pitch and the ball bobbles over your foot. What are you going to do then? All this V-turns and all stuff like that, you can't do them on a grass pitch in the middle of December. You've got to keep things, you've got to keep it basic. And if you keep it basic first and master those, then once you get into those areas, then you can start doing your more, your bigger and better things. But it's, it's one of them. It's like, I'm not going to start you. I, I see some of these prices and I'm just like, I think morally I couldn't do it. I don't think I could go, I could sleep at night charging someone £80 for a one-to-one session. I don't think anybody in football is worth that amount of money. I don't think it's worth it because I don't think you're getting 80 or £100. I even see 120 an hour. You're not worth that. No offence, but nobody's worth that. It's, it's just not. If people want to pay it, that's fine. That's their jobs. But you're selling people a dream by, by charging that amount of money when I'm doing things for £20 an hour and I'm better than these other people. And that's not me just trying to be cocky. That's just me knowing what I'm good at and believing in myself and hearing it from people who I have in because I'm, I guarantee if people charge £80 an hour, those people, they'll lose 50% of their clients easily because people can't afford that. Even if it's good, the mum or dad, or if a lad's working part-time, and it's £80 a week, he's gone. Now, that's, that's half my wages, 320 quid a month, gone there, on, on four hours. Imagine saying, someone saying to you, four hours works, £320. Pound. Oh, my God. It's, it's ludicrous, isn't it? I just think, like, especially, you know, this day and age now, when you've got people struggling um, work-wise and stuff like that, to be charging that amount of money at grassroots, for grassroots players, is it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. And like I say, if people want to do it, that's fine, but... I'll, um, I wouldn't. I would never do it, um, and I couldn't work for people like that as well. I'd, just, I'd rather focus on myself, maybe earn a little bit less money, but know that I'm still doing the right things and I'm still on the right path. Because you know, one-to-one sessions isn't my my career end goal in five, ten years. It's something which allows me to be able to work in football full time. You know, my job. I don't have a <laughs> a full time job. Would you say I have like four part time jobs, and they're all football. I have one-to-ones, I have my website, I have AFC Liverpool, and I have University of Liverpool, all part-time, you know? So it's it's one of those where it's like, they all mix into one. Uh, but if I had a different thing, I wouldn't be able to do it. So um, it's just one of those things, really, yeah. I don't really want to name names with all those 
companies because there's that many of them out there. But you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know there's a few names with me. I know. Um, nah, it, it, it is it is a very good point, especially in the times that we're living in. For someone to charge 120 pounds for one hour's worth of like coaching, that's mm-hmm. that's six sessions to, to do to do with you. Do you more, know what I mean? more, yeah, it's seven. If you book, if you block book six for a hundred quid. Still got 20 quid spare to go oh, down and get yourself. Cheap little plugs from you there, I love all that. It is, though, isn't it? Obviously, won't go into to the thoughts of the way the country's run, but times we're living in at the minute, you, you can't justify that. It's like these clubs. You can't justify charging to £180 for half the pitch for an hour. Where, no. where, who's got the money for that? Uh, well, I'm in pre season with Marshalls. Remember the pitch ahead and what we used to play on in college? So, that's we 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 get free use of that pitch because they had to offer us a grass pitch because obviously Iron Marsh got got took off us. So obviously the hubs Heron Eccles was our hub and we used to, we play on the three G and obviously our fee for the season would be the same as anybody else, which is like six hundred quid. But in pre season they wanted to charge us like the full amount. So we went, why on earth would we sacrifice all the subs that we bring in to use it on pre season fixtures when we can jump on the grass for free? It's like, this is why clubs are now folding because they can't afford to be affording these prices. And they've just, I've seen that they just put the prices up again, even for like pay as you play, a kid going on to play has gone up to like £5.30 or £5.50. And they lock the goals up, 11 aside goals up because the pen spots get ruined and stuff. And I'm just like, get a grip for yourselves. If you'd have to replace a pen spot every five months, do it. You're just, you're denying people the opportunity just to kick a ball in the net. This is why kids are sitting at home playing FIFA and playing Call of Duty and playing Fortnite because they can't get on these hubs and it gets to a night time and they can't get on the hubs because you know what they do now? So I'm obviously back at Nosley now with the 23s. So we've started training that Jeffrey Humble obviously with the dark nights and that. Yeah. Half's not being used. Turn the lights off. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. The fucking ruthless. Like they'll turn the lights off and it's like there's no one on there. Just let the kid, let kids go on there, yeah. or if we've got a half, just let us use the half, the full pitch. There's no one playing yeah. on. When we used when we used to train at Marshalls, right? We used to have uh, the seven thirty to nine slot. The Wednesday was a Marshalls Marshalls night because obviously we got under sixes all the way up to seniors. I swear to God, I had to I had to finish every session at five to nine because they turned the lights off at nine o'clock. So a ball would be bouncing round. And the next minute, the lights go out. You've got equipment all over the place. You've got balls over the fence. Gets to nine o'clock and it's like, oh, crap, the lechy. But that's just because the residents complain. But at the end of the day, you've got you've got people thinking people's safety at the same time. And people paying all this money. I want it until nine o'clock. The blowing horns and whistles at 8.57 while we're there. I've, I've, we've paid a premium to be on here for this time. I should get my book until nine o'clock. And if, if they feel, oh, yeah, but I'm like, well, this hour and a half. I'm using this hour and a half. I'm not just letting, I'm just not just letting lads having seven aside kickabouts. We're trying to work on things. So an extra few minutes goes a long way throughout the season. And when you uh, do a here charging our amount of money, you should be shouldn't be shutting things off like that. And I agree with you. I remember one time we were meant to play a game and the team pulled out on the day and I went, right, let's go train. And they were like, Oh, we were gonna close early. And I went, well, you know the pitches are booked out. Like if we wanna train, we're training. Can you finish a little bit early? No. It's, it's a Saturday. You just finish early on a Saturday anyway, like R5. If we're training till five o'clock, we're training till five o'clock. It's our pitch. We paid for it. Like, just get it for yourselves. I'm just I like. Can't, I can't wait to get you out. Like, you have an announcement that, like, like you just said then. Like, so we go from, we've got a two hour slot, so we do eight till ten. Mm-hmm. So, five to ten, you're there on announcements. Can everyone start finishing up? And it's like, no, we've got, I've still, like you just said, then I've yeah. still got five minutes left here. And then yeah. they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it if there was a game on, would they? No, you can't say to the ref, call that early ref. There's a, there's, you know, we've got to close in five minutes. Yeah. Ten, ten o'clock, bang on. There's someone walking right by the pitch. Yeah. Come on, off. Come on, get off. And it's like, can yeah. I meet you? Just made 200 quid off us there. Well, I remember our dugouts, one of our dugouts got vandalized. People jumped on during lockdown. And we asked for months and months and months because we were getting fined. Because we had to have two dugouts. Every week we were getting fined for not having two dugouts. So we, in the end, we had to buy a pop-up one, but it didn't have shelter. So last year, I was embarrassed. I was absolutely embarrassed because we'd have clubs coming in the pissing down rain with a pop-up dugout with no um, shelter. So lads were sitting there with hoods up, rain and sitting on the side. And then 
like when did it get it got damaged in like let's say the April of 2021 it got fully finished March 2022 a year nearly of no second dugout a year uh, all the money they bring in it's not hard is it to replace it it's like that's where the, it's all about it's all about that and it's disappointing really because when they first opened I thought these are great for the city it's great for obviously people are able to train and play on them all the games will be on and stuff like that but the prices it's they don't need to charge that much because for how busy they are they don't need to charge that much it's it's ludicrous and you know the council and everyone else the county FA and stuff like that need to try and sort it out because if it keeps if it keeps going people are just spewing I, I know I would have had to pay those pay those prices every single week it's it's ridiculous do you think that's the state of grassroots football then, Jack? And at the minute, within not just our city, all over the country, that there's the higher ups trying to make a quick quid rather than actually focusing on the grassroots football to develop the, the talent in the country? 100%. Because let's be honest, every single kid who becomes a footballer or a semi pro footballer, whatever, they all start off with a grassroots club. If you look, if you look at the city, how many there is, you've got Wolton, is a massive club. You've got Marshalls, you've got Mosley, you've got all these teams. There's so many around the city and it's the same around the country, but they just get left. Everyone just gets left. And <clears throat> what we've got, people got to remember is before these hubs were there, that mostly a league on a Saturday would be massive. And then you'd have like Sudley Field getting used for all these pitches and stuff like that. And I, I, I watch the, I see everything now and you see teams like City and Newcastle and PSG and all these teams with money. Yeah, it's great football, but, but it's not though, is it? Because at the end of the day, and you know, Klopp was speaking about to do the day, and people kind of took it out of context. But he said we can't compete with City. Liverpool can go and buy a starter for fifty million pounds, but if he gets injured, you've got let's <clears throat> so yeah, Elliot and Joss are injured now. Sorry, not Elliot. He hasn't Joss are injured now. If they had, if Mares and Foden are injured for City, you've got Jack Reelis on the bench, who's a hundred million pound player. When Diaz and Joss are getting into Liverpool, you've got Harvey Elliott, who was on a free, and you've got Fabio Carvalho, who was on a free. That's that's the difference, and I'd I would hate for Liverpool to be owned by a club like that. I I, I know people complain about the owners and stuff like that, but I'd hate it to just be like that when it's just there's a problem, fifty million. There's another problem, fifty million there, and people say, oh, we paid less for Haaland and all this. Let's be honest, no, they never. He's on nine hundred grand a week in Ireland, so you're sixty million just to show people how much you've paid for him, and I just don't sit right. It's, it's just not proper. It's just not football to me when it's like that. It, it's a bit frustrating and, you know, I think, obviously, I don't really want to go off topic to obviously Liverpool stuff like that, but that's where it brings out the greatest achievements with the likes of Klopp and, you know, even like Arteta and that now competing with these, you compete, you're basically competing with the country, aren't you, when you play against City and PSG and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's why everyone loves to see them go out the Champions League because that's what they want. That's what they all want. And when you see the clubs who, who are steeped in history and tradition, still doing so well in those competitions just shows that football is it's clinging on to that and it's the same with grassroots as well you know the money from these clubs from these TV rights from everything that they bring in there should be a percentage every club should have a percentage where it goes that goes back into grassroots to improve facilities you know even things like can we give grants to the teams for kits for equipment just to give them new balls every season right every every club could get even if it's 1500 quid a season for each like grassroots club, or each, if, if a club's got a bigger club, they can get so much. But for that, for those Premier League clubs and, and for the actual Premier League, it's absolute pennies to them. It's absolute pennies. City got a two hundred and fifty grand fine for encroaching the pitch at the end of the pre at the end of the season when he won the league. I bet he just pulled out his back pocket and went, "Yeah, don't need like it's not even a fine." He probably left it off. Um, but you've got to look after the grassroots and obviously I think you've got to look after non-league as well and make sure that players and coaches from those levels aren't left behind because you know the academy system these lads um, at what percentage would you say end up in non-league it's very very high because the chances of becoming a professional footballer are very slim and that's not down just to ability that's just down to not everybody can make it as a professional but when these lads drop down into these into these divisions the quality is there and you know, you see now the exposure that's, that uh, social media gets for non-league football. It's massive. You know, the, the things around the city now, like off the park, Steve does brilliant work there, you know, putting coverage on these non-league teams. I, I would encourage people to go watch non-league football as much as you can because the experience that you get is proper football. You know, uh, you know the lads there are wanting to win and, you know, they're playing for a paycheck as well. And obviously, 
people have got ambition to try and go higher and you know it's 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 still that proper football experience where when you go to Premier League grounds nowadays it just feels like it's just getting the life sucked out of it. I went to I went to the Liverpool game the other week against Brighton and Brighton equalised with ten minutes to go and people walked out and I'm thinking what what's the matter with people? You're at a football game or you're trying to beat traffic on a Saturday, staying support your team. Whereas I ended up, I was lucky enough to go to quite a few of the games towards the back end of the season, um, like the Champions League games, the Everton game at home, United, stuff like that. And it was electric. Not one person would leave before, before the whistle ended when you're on a good run. And I just feel like people need to just enjoy it whilst you can. And especially with the non-league as well. If you can't enjoy it there at the Premier League, go and, go and watch your local non-league team because you get a proper football experience. And, you know, you can stand on the side with a pint and a pie and you can shout whatever you want to at the players and the officials. And like you say, you can just enjoy your football without having to worry with a ticket being 60 quid towards Liverpool or Everton or whatever it is at home against Derby in the EFL Cup, which is just like, it just forces people out of football, doesn't it? You can't, you can't encourage people to shout at officials, Jack, you'll get. No, not officials. You can shout at players and, and coaches like myself, say whatever you want to us, but not officials. <laughs> um, going back to where you just said there about like clubs giving stuff back to the into grassroots and stuff. I went to Melwood the other day, last mm-hmm. week, Tuesday last week. Um, and some of the things the fella was telling me what like what they've done there, I thought that would have been brilliant to say, right, there's a big facility, there you go. Yeah. Or go and have grassroots there, put the county FA base them there or do something. Now yeah. far, I know the Fala College and the Carragher have all took it over and stuff, but going there like they cut the floodlights down, like yeah. floodlights on the main pitch being cut down, sprinklers in the in the main pitch, it's took them out. Yeah, going like don't think I'm meant to say this, but going around the building, like there's it's all it's all just be, it's been ripped apart. Like yeah, you know, in my head when they said that they were leaving Melwood, I thought oh, that would be boss that they'll leave that for the for 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 the kids and mm-hmm. for the grassroots and that they haven't yeah. sold the land. Like those yeah. pitches that are still there, there'll be houses in here. Yeah, it's it's disappointing, isn't it? Like you would have thought that we'd, they would have looked after the building and gone right Monday to Friday. Obviously, Feffer, you can use it. We'll keep the pitches at a good level, you know, because they want to build a four G, which is obviously understandable. Build a four G on there, and then of a weekend, let's get grassroots games on there of a morning, so we can have let's say under sevens. They could use a full size pitch three times. Then on another pitch, you could have two under nines games going on. And then you could have the 4G having another game on. And then you've got like the indoor facility. You could have, you know what? That indoor facility could be used for like, do they have like a tot session, like for young kids to go into just to learn football? What, what a better experience for a young lad to go into and girl to go into Melwood, like Liverpool's training ground for that long, the, the history steeped in it. Don't let it go to waste. You know, it's, 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 it's like as soon as they move into something shiny, new, yeah, just leave that. Why not just leave everything in there? It's not like it's going to, keeping the sprinklers in or maybe sending the, sending the groundsmen down every couple of weeks just to help out with something. What's that to do? Or they can even say, right, we'll help to fund towards a groundsman for you or whatever. But like you say, it's it, the club's up there. They do a little thing every so often. They'll be on social media, which makes them look good. But in reality, do they really care about um, these levels? No. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say that because you know, my my dream and goal is to is to manage and coach at, at that level. But everything surrounding it sometimes is just doesn't sit right with me. Sometimes I feel like we can give back um, to these grassroots, and that again is for myself in terms of like when I'm charging that amount of money, I feel like I'm doing, you know, helping people out by making sure that I can keep things affordable and make things. And I have what's the thing? What's the thing? And have something there for people to be able to access all the time um, it's just like you say it's just a shame you think like you know a club like Liverpool will go we want to keep that in a, in a state even for Fefe keep it in a state where we go you know we're going to upgrade the gym for you we'll, you know, we'll keep everything spotless in the canteen for you for what you just want to use and you know we donate all this equipment to you obviously I don't know what if they have or not but it, you know when you see the pictures of the pictures they look a shadow of what they were when Liverpool were there they don't look great at all do they so I think that just tells the story of it Last one from me then. If yeah. you were to go back to that fourteen-year-old who started yeah. marshals with your uncle or or your uncle's mate or whoever it was, yeah. what would you say to him? Would you tell him to do? Would you go through the exact same 
way that you've done it, or would there be things along the way where you'd say, "No, nah, I wouldn't do that." Like, would you take the Resi's job when you did, or <laughs> would you not take the under 18s when you got back from America or anything like that? I, to be honest, I, I wouldn't change anything because I think like the experiences that I've had have kind of helped me in certain ways. So going to America was just it was lovely. It was boss living in another country, and when I come back, I knew that. I wanted to go into coaching even more. I wanted to make it like my priority. Then going into Morecambe with the academy, having that year experience there was a real eye-opener in terms of, you know, I didn't really enjoy it. You know, some people at the club are great and stuff like that, but it, it opened my eyes to, I want to stay in senior football for as long as I can. You know, the academy environment can be great and stuff like that, but I feel like if I told myself, don't go into that and don't go do that, then I could be sitting here now at 25 going, you know, I want to try and get into an academy or, you know, I want to go and taste abroad already. Whereas I feel like I've had the taste of that all. So I kind of know where I want my next step to be. You know, I feel comfortable moving abroad, which I'd like to do in the future again. Um, so I feel like all the experiences that I've had, I've had like a positive effect in certain ways, even if that experience, what I had, wasn't what I'd hoped that it'd be or thought it would be. Um, it's, it's had an impact in a way which I feel like has helped me going forward. So I wouldn't really say anything different, really. I'd just say, take the rough with the smooth because obviously it happens everywhere. Um, and then I'll probably be happy with where I am by the time uh, where I am now, to be honest. To be 25, assistant manager in, in, in the counties, obviously won a few things. I've established myself quite well. So, you know, hopefully in another five years' time and where I'd like to be at in five years, fingers crossed. One final one from me, Jack. Uh, <clears throat> what advice would you give to anyone looking to go into the game? So say someone like me, never coached a day in his life, would love to. What advice would you give to someone who actually wants to go into coaching, no matter what their age? I'd just say, if you want to get into it, just do it as, as much as you can. And, you know, you are going to do a lot of voluntary type work, but if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like you're working for nothing it feels like you're working towards something it's like I think the main thing is just is believing in yourself and if you've got a way of wanting to do things stick to it and just make sure that you the, the biggest thing is obviously going into it with confidence and obviously being able to communicate your points across and being strong in that you know if a player doesn't agree with something it's it's, it's what you want to do so they've got to um, obviously um, either do it or tough tough you know what I mean you've got to get on with it but for someone who, who's never coached before I'd just say go go in with it with open arms and you learn a lot in terms of don't be afraid of trying things like if you want to try a certain thing in training or you want to try a certain shape you regret the things you don't do and if something doesn't work because not everything does it might not work in training right we won't do that drill again or we won't play him there again it didn't work little bits like that um, and I, I think nowadays a massive one with coaching is is just being a a good man manager as well and you know reading people and you know the way, the way the first thing I say to someone is that they're a person first before they're a player so you don't know what someone's got going on if they're, if they're out of form um, you know there might be a reason behind it and it's not just oh he's playing crap in, you know what's the score there maybe there's something going on you know at home family wise or work wise stuff like that and you kind of gather gather that but I'd just say for someone if, if you're passionate about football and you want to get involved with coaching don't do it half-hearted because you'll find it harder to get opportunities. Go into it with everything that you've got. And if you do that, you'll get better opportunities. And if players see that passion and that commitment, then you get everything off them and you'll get a lot of respect. Um, even if that's working, you know, if someone wants to work with kids, if kids can see someone who's enthusiastic and passionate, they respond to that. And if adults see a lad who's committed and he's talking the right things and he's wanting to improve players they respond to that as well I think when someone goes into something like I can't do it myself if someone goes into something 70% I think you get 70% back off people so I'll just say if someone if you if someone wanted to go into it just make sure that it's something that you want to go into and don't be afraid of getting stuck in and trying things because you know you regret the things that you don't do rather than just going oh, I wish I'd have done that because if you try something and it works brains if you try something that doesn't work it's one to note down to you know you know it's something that maybe do in the future or whatever um so yeah i'd just be i'd just say just go for it that's the message i'd say go for it and just 
obviously if it's something that someone wants to do just follow follow your, follow your dream um, that's what I've done <laughs> and it's a long process you know I've, I've never had any pressure from my family or friends to you know take a different job or to take a different route you know my mum we, we talk about it all the time and there's been setbacks we go you know it's, it's, it, it is a long journey but we'll look back on you know where I am now and where I've been in the past and go you know the sacrifice was was all worth it um, and that you know that's me trying to make it at the highest level possible whereas somebody else might just want to wear you know might want to get to where I am now working in Northwest Counties as an assistant manager or as a coach or whatever but that can take a few years so just be patient but just trust yourself and um, yeah just if you go if you want to go into it just go for it yeah, nice one for that. Um, when we when we started talking about this, you were one of the ones who, because I know you're all in and you're 100 percent and stuff. Um, yeah. I admire that a lot about you. To be fair, um, you're one of the ones I wanted on early on. So nice one for that. I appreciate your time. No worries. Appreciate you um, having me on, lads. Let us tell everyone where they can find you on your Instagram for your one to ones and that. Yeah. So Instagram it's Jack Edwards Coaching, and then YouTube's just Jack Edwards as well. Um, and then Twitter is Jack E Coaching. Nice and easy, not too hard. Beautiful. Nice one, Jack. Appreciate that. Thanks very much, lads. Cheers. And before we go, don't forget to leave a like and subscribe on the video. If you listen on Spotify and Apple, don't forget to leave a nice little review. It helps us go a long way. First episode done really well. Hope Jack's episode does really well as well. And we're continuing with our next guest after this will be the AFC Nosley chairman, which is going to be coming next week. So that that's quite good. Um, but yeah, just keep subscribing, keep sharing it around. We're going to be speaking to everyone and anyone to do with non-league football and, and beyond and, and see where it takes us. But you've been listening to From the Side. It's been me, Jay and Jack. A nice one for listening.